Okay. Well, let's see. We got to get this correct here. Um, oh, what do I need? I need the uh, webinar letters that I had really quick. So let's put that over here. Uh, stop recording for a minute. All right. Wait. Oh, dear. I messed up something. Gallery view. Okay. There we go. I thought I'd be able to see the panelists, but no. Oh, only you can. Yes. Oh, I can't even either. Oh, you can't see them either? Nope. Okay. All right, then. And, and everybody's online already. So, okay. Yeah. Welcome, Great. everybody. Okay. All righty, so um Okay, good, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry, for responding. I appreciate it. And depending on how long this will take, which is not going to take that long. Hey, John, welcome. Say hello, John. Uh, I will allow each one of you to talk kind of briefly, but again, for the sake of time, I want to make sure that, that we do this uh, in, in an efficient way for everybody. Okay. Anthony, welcome. Francis, welcome. Janice, welcome. Again, say hi to everybody. Okay. Awesome, awesome. All righty, looks like we got everybody. So um, guys, if you see me looking up and down, by the way, uh, Marilyn and I are not at the beach. We would love to be. And South Orange County is the best place to be. So yeah, let's all feel nice and comfortable and relax. Uh, put the umbrellas away, you know, and, and let's get serious about this. First of all, I gotta start with, my name is Roy Osorio. I'm with Douglas Elliman, Roy's Open Houses. Welcome to everybody. We're gonna be having, this is one of our first webinars, by the way, in which we're gonna be discussing everything pertaining to real estate, housing, homes, um, everything that affects that for us. Uh, first time buyers, you know, move up buyers, retired buyers. We're going to be discussing a lot of things. Today's topic is going to be about Proposition 19. Basically, um, I, I'm joking. I joked with Marilyn earlier today. You know, I said, you know, that feels like the way they did Prop 19 feels like uh, taxation without representation. So we're a bunch of rebels right now uh, <laughs> about to throw the tea, the tea over the boat right now, okay? But let me make, uh, let me get some things out of the way really quick, some uh, housekeeping things. 
Please note that, and I'm gonna have to read this because can't remember it. Please note that this webinar provides only general legal information and not specific legal advice for your unique family situation. Please feel free to contact Marilyn in the future for, for your own personal consultation or for that matter, your financial advisor or any other qualified estate planning attorney to review your, your personal situation. Right now, this is, call this a quick infomercial to kind of raise the, the bar to understand where we're at and how this Prop 19 is affecting our property tax base. Uh, Marilyn will be very much available for you, but again, we don't want to go too deep into some sort of legalities uh, about it. Uh, if everybody can raise their hands and understand that that's what we're doing, raise your hands or say, okay, Roy, we understand the legal things, move on. I, I'd appreciate it. That'd be nice. Okay. In the interim, I want to introduce Mar well, myself, uh, a mortgage banker of 30 years in real estate, 15 years. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, I love educating. We both love educating people uh, because we feel that's really the, the, the core of what we're doing in our lives and our careers is the ability to educate people on the things that they, you know, may be struggling with or don't have any idea or don't want to know too much about. Uh, let me introduce you, Marilyn Steele. Marilyn right now is a 24-year uh, attorney uh, and 38 years in the CPA. She'll explain whether or not she's active or not in that end, but in the legal front, she's definitely there. Uh, she integrates law, accounting, and tax planning. She has owned a law firm in uh, San Diego County for the last 16 years. Mm. And the neatest thing about Marilyn, folks, was this. When I asked her if she would speak to Prop 19, she goes, you're a realtor, Roy. And I go, well, what's the problem with that, right? And it was like, uh, hmm. She goes, Roy, because uh, uh, realtors don't really like this because they really enforce this Prop 19 because they were trying to get people to sell their homes you know, and move out and sell more of their homes. So I said, no, 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 I think, Marilyn, I have a passion to educate people irrespective of my agenda or whose agenda. So all I can say to really speak to Marilyn's point is she's a huge advocate for homeowners, plain and simple, right? So right. Marilyn, uh, what I, right now what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna leave it to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you some questions as to the first question that I have right now is, What's the background on Prop 19? I heard somewhere that it was it was covering or affecting three major propositions, one of them being Prop 13 from back in the day, which is causing the big stir up. But give us a little insight as to what Prop 19 has, has done uh, to coalesce or, or bring together all those three. Okay. Thanks, Roy. I appreciate you being um, inviting me and allowing me to be here today. I do appreciate it. And I know we're both super... Um, intent on educating um, the public because that's, you know, the more informed you are, the better you, choices you can make. So for you and your family. Um, as to Prop 19, um, just a quick background. Um, Prop 13, um, there was three propositions that happened uh, in 1978, 1986, and 1996. And the reason those came about is because the California public um, voted out this inheritance tax. So California has no inheritance tax, other states do, California does not. But then the problem was is the backlash of that was that when they got the property tax bill, it, it kind of overcame the, you know, the, the non-inheritance tax. So the voters, 75% of them um, basically there was an uproar and they said, we wanna be able to, to transfer our property tax base so that we don't, ineffectively don't have to have an inheritance tax or are able to mitigate that. So Prop 13 came in in 1978 
and it said that, you know, you can transfer your property tax base. I'm going to call it a property tax base um, because there's a difference between a property tax base and the tax basis in your asset when you're going to sell it. Those are two different things. So I'm going to call it a property tax base. Uh, so anyway, uh, basically what happened was is they said, okay, you can keep your property tax base low. The base year is 1976. And even though California real estate increases 4% a year, we're going to allow, allow you to keep your property tax base low and we won't increase it more than 2% a year. So that's been in place since 1978 is when it came into existence. Then the, the public said, well, we want to be able to transfer it to our children. And that's when Prop 58 came in and they said, okay, we're gonna allow an intergenerational transfer. So the original Prop 13 was really just for you, for yourself to transfer it to a new home. Uh, and then, then, then Prop 58 came in and said, okay, we're gonna allow an intergenerational transfer from the parent to the child. And there were certain you know, limitations on that and various different things. And then 10 years later, they said, well, you know, if the intervening child dies, we want to be able to give it to the grandchildren. Um, and so that's when Prop 193 came in in 1996. And so then it allowed the parents to transfer that the um, low property tax value to a grandchildren. And the only caveat on, caveat on that is that the intervening parent has to have passed away. So you can't skip a child and give it to a grandchild. The intervening parent has to, has to have passed away. And, um, and I'm sorry, I'm an estate planning attorney, so I, I've trained myself not to say die, I've trained myself to say passed away. So, uh, so that's the way those all came out. And so what Prop 19 did is in November, they instituted a law or the voters voted in 51 to 49%. Uh, half the people didn't know what they were voting in. It was supposed to help those 55 and older, disabled and those her victims of fire or natural disaster, which it did, but it also swept in a whole bunch of changes to this um, protection of the property tax base transfer to either to yourselves, to a new home, or to children, or to qualifying grandchildren. So that's that's the background. Okay, so, so what I'm hearing then is, and, 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 if, and if some of you have watched my one minute video, the one thing that, that I learned from this is how quickly this thing passed and how quickly we didn't get any notice really about it. And, and the predominant uh, reasoning or, or the predominant nice reason about it is that, hey, some of these funds are gonna go out there to, uh, to uh, combat wildfires and so forth, right? Uh, that was the pros. And then the cons were, hey, it's the real estate industry trying to um, to just generate more inventory to, to get property sold and whatnot. And, and so that really concerned me because I was like, whoa, wait a minute, you can't do this to us so fast. But we're gonna discuss a little later, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I was gonna go down a different rabbit trail right now about what, what our next steps are for sure. But let's talk about, let's get more into the specifics of, um, of the law itself for a moment, okay? Uh, let me ask you a quick question, let me see. So. Let me see. Okay, so we've, I think we've already cut what you've told me right now at the end of the day is I had a low property tax base. 
I want to keep it. I want to be able to keep it when I buy another property somewhere else. Right. Uh, I want to be able to, the next step was I want to be able to give it to my child also hand it off mm -hmm. to my child. And, and once I hand it off to my child, he keeps the property, the benefits of the property tax base. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and again, also the, the ability for to skip the, say the, you said the, the interceding um, intervening intervening yeah. yes that's legal terms that's a for, weird weird word i guess that's okay <laughs> it, it's it's the legal terms for it's me my 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 son and buddy my son anthony understands buddy because that's my dog but he's my other child he's my grandchild so <laughs> sorry we're you can't saving. transfer it to your dog i know a lot of people would try but you can't do <laughs> so, although we so do create end, that trust. <laughs> right right so at the end of the day that's what Prop 19 effectively did is, is, is kind of address those things. So let's let's get more specific now to what, the one particular area that it's doing is that I'm, that I'm understanding is, so I, I wanna transfer to my son, but my son lives in Minnesota, mm -hmm. doesn't wanna live in the property, right? Yeah. What happens, what happens to that property tax base, that what wonderful low assessment, what happens to it if he decides he does not wanna live, he just wants to rent it out? Um, well, therein lies the problem is I just wanted to clarify. So I'm going to talk about intergenerational transfers first, because those are the biggest, the biggest changes. And then I'm going to circle back around if you, if we have time to, what if you want to transfer it from your own tax base to a new property, either of greater or lesser value, but I'm going to circle back around to that. And I'm going to start with the intergenerational transfer. That's a big word, intergenerational transfer from parent to child or parent to grandchild. And by the way, you can do child to parent if you have that situation. Um, so before, the value of it before was they said, okay, you can transfer, you can keep your property tax base low and transfer it to your child for unlimited value and for unlimited purposes, basically. In other words, you can transfer it to your child. If you bought it 50 years ago, you can transfer the tax base to your child um, we don't care about the, this is the former law. We don't care about the value and we don't care what they use it for. They can use it for a, a vacation home. They can use it, um, they can live in it. They can use vacation home, they can rent it out. Um, but that was the old law. And then what the hullabaloo about is, is the new law, which was effective February 16th. They only gave us a month and a half to figure this out, basically, is that now they've limited it to they limited it to a million dollars above your current assessed value and the child has to live in it. One of the children, if you have three children, they have to all, you know, they have to agree and let one of them live in it unless they're gonna have a compound and let all three of them live in it. And they have to file for a home set exemption and prove that they, they're gonna live in it in one year. So that's really put a, a quash on parents transferring their home to their children. And so to your example, Roy, if the child was living in Minnesota and say it was your only child and he wanted to rent it out or use it a vacation home, you're out of luck. You basically, you know, um, you basically have the whole thing reassessed, uh, which means that if you bought it 40 years ago for just, I'm just gonna use round numbers for $100,000, and it's worth a million five now, then it's gonna be assessed at a million five. And the problem with that is that it forces, in, in essence, it forces the children to sell the properties because A, they can only use it for a personal residence and B, they can't afford the property taxes anymore. So they basically have to sell it. 
Now, if it was in the parent's estate at that date of death, they do get a step up in tax basis for income tax purposes. But the point is, is that if they wanted to keep that long-term family home for you know, family memories and everything, they can't do it unless they fit within those parameters. And that's what changed on February 16th for a parent-child inter intergenerational transfer. Um, and, and that includes a parent to grandchild. So, but they kept the rule, they kept the rule that the intervening, so let's just say your son died and he, you know, he was 45 years old. You're not that old, Roy, but <laughs> your son died and he had a child and the child was not married to Minnesota. And he was like, oh, I'll live in California. So the child comes out, your intervening son has passed away and you're, you know, um, you, you wanted to transfer it to your grandchild. You could do that as long as they could live in, if they would live in it and file a homestead exemption within one year. And so, but they're limited to the current assessed value plus $1 million. So wow. basically they're giving you a million dollar freebie. And that, that works pretty well if you haven't owned the property for a very long time. If you've owned the property for a very long time, it becomes a problem because I currently have a client who owned a property in Del Mar for, um, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And one of the three children wants to keep it. Um, it was worth, she bought it for $100,000 and now it's worth a million, a million eight seventy-five. So thankfully she, well, you know, God bless her soul, but thankfully she passed away before um, February 16th, 2021. And so we're under the old rules. And so when somebody passes away, that's considered the data transfer. Okay, that's so those, those are the new rules on the intergenerational transfer um, as, as with respect to principal residences. Now, the big, almost the bigger deal well, is- you're, right going, yeah, yeah, right, you're going, going there. too you're fast. Going, okay. Don't go there. Don't go so there. that's okay. principal residence. But because, yeah, so we're going on into, into the rental part of things. But, but let's talk about right now, just briefly about uh, what you just said was because all of a sudden, when you and I talked and when you and I met, I mean, we were already past February fifteenth. I know. You know. And so I want to make I want to make sure that everybody's clear about it that the actual effective date in which you can we can take advantage of that inter, intergenerational transfer and so forth is it's going to be based on the date that let's say that person passed in this case, right? right? So Not if, the it's, date, if the right. person passed, the the date of transfer when you know the date of transfer is when somebody passes if it's due to a death. The date of transfer is the date of the gift. So that, that applies to gifts as well. So you can gift it, but I need to explain to you that there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems with gifting it. Right, that right. Could let's, let's over shatter. And I'm not yeah. going to go down that road, but talk to someone before you try to give something. Okay, good. Talk to somebody before you heard it from the attorney. Okay, got that. Um, that's probably the best advice right there and free. Uh, so let's, let's talk. So, 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 you know, so here I am, you know, God willing, you know, I've, I've had, I've, I've done a good life in, in, in real estate and I own, you know, 10 rentals or five rentals and whatnot, plus my primary and whatnot. And now we're, now we're into the rental side of things. Okay. So I want to, I want to hand over my rentals to my son, you know, and say, here we go, son, take my rentals. You know, I want to give you that. And, and I, and I have a nice little property tax base there too, again. So tell me how it affects how this act affects uh, the rental part of it. Okay, thanks, Roy. Uh, yes, so the, the way to understand the impact is to tell you what the former law was before February 16th. The former law was if you had rental property 
um, which is called other property. So we call it non-owner occupied. So it could be rental property, it could be a vacation home, something other than your personal residence. If you had other property that you wanted to give to your child or your grandchild before February 16th, you could give up to a million dollars per person, million dollars for the mom, million dollars from the father, if you were still married, if you were a single person, a million dollars. You could transfer that property tax base to your child or to the grandchild if they qualified, um, if the property was less than $2 million for, um, for a couple or a million dollars for a single person. So, you know, the new Prop 19, as of February 16th, they have eliminated that altogether. So if you have a vacation home and if you have a rental property and you were hoping to transfer the property tax base to your child or, or qualifying grandchild, it's no longer available. And that means that it's gonna be completely reassessed. Um, and again, that's gonna cause the kids, if they were gonna keep the rental property for the income stream and try to manage it and just enjoy the income stream, which is a lot of what a lot of parents want to do for their children or grandchildren, they can no longer, they may be able to do it, but they can no longer do it really because the property taxes may increase double, triple, or quadruple. It's, it's gonna be a huge shock and um, it's really unfortunate. So that's another thing that got snuck in that, you know, estate planners like us who have been operating under these rules for 35 years and all of a sudden in a month and a half, they changed and nobody really knows how drastically they changed. Then that's kind of, where we're at. So. Okay. So, 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 so one of the things that I also heard uh, earlier is that the past law, when it came to that, is that it was actually could have been one million per 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 parent, right? Yeah, per parent. Mm -hmm. They would have had a two million dollar kind of uh, property yeah. take tax yeah. transfer. Mm -hmm. Property tax transfer. Now it's just one million. No, no. Rental property is nothing. Got we're it. talking about rental property now. Got it. Rental got property. Oh, I'm sorry. Non-owner occupied, rental property, vacation homes, right, right, right. Anything, anything other than your personal qualifying personal residence is is now they're not allowing any exemption for the property tax tax base transfer. Okay, good, good. Uh, in the interim, guys, I'm trying to keep this tight here, so please post your questions in the chat room if you want any questions answered. Please post your questions in the chat room right now so that we can move into the question and Q and A format right now. So please post any questions you may have right now get going on that. I know some folks already had some questions that I've kind of uh, talked about and I'm, I'm actually gonna, gonna pretty much address it with I think Jerry's question. And Jerry, you can validate this for me or not. Let me, uh, let me confirm this or you can confirm it. So Jerry, uh, Jerry and Georgette were thinking about um, you know, selling their property and then moving up and buying a piece of land and building a property and so forth, you know, and uh, and they wanted to know. Number one, obviously, the first question is, can we take our tax basis and use it over there, right? Mm -hmm. And not only use it over there, but where do we use it from? Do we use it from when we purchase the land, the lot, or do we use it when the property's completed, right? And how does that work? You know, the the when when they should file that. But I guess the, the next question is the process. So, you know, I believe the answer to the question is yes uh, and whatnot, and maybe you can confirm it. But then the next thing is, what does that process look like? You know, and, and at that point, I think that's where people need to seek persons like yourselves out to help with that process. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be advisable, yes. 
It would be like um, Okay, so this is based, thanks Roy, I appreciate that question. This is really circling back around to how did Prop 19 affect the property tax base when you wanna transfer it to yourself? So that, in other words, what we just finished talking about was the intergenerational transfer, parent to child, parent to grandchild, personal residence, you know, non-rentals uh, or non-owner occupied. So that's intergenerational transfer, drastic changes. And so then the property tax, there were some changes via Prop 19. It's a different due, if it's a different um, effective date, but there were some good changes actually to the property to property transfer for yourself when you're taking your own personal residence, selling it and buying another one. The former law was that you had to um, buy a property of equal or less value and you could only transfer it in, you could only, initially you could only transfer it in the same county, and then they expanded it to 10 different counties if they all agreed. So that was the former law, but now, and you can only do it once in a lifetime. So that was the former law. The new law says that you can transfer your property tax base on the home that you're in now, and sell it and buy another one, as long as you buy the other one, buy or build it within two years, and you can do it in any county in California. If you want to move up north, if you want to move to Chula Vista, you can use any county. All counties qualify. And it, you're not limited to the equal or lesser value. However, if you buy up, then you're going to be, you're going to be reassessed on the delta between the sales price of your old house and the fair market value of your new house. So. If you're selling a house for a million dollars and you're upgrading to a house that's worth a million two, buy or build, then you're gonna be assessed on the $200,000 Delta. Does everybody know what Delta means? The difference between the two? Difference, difference yeah. correct. So I, 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 before, I learned, they wouldn't let you transfer. Yeah, I learned yeah. Delta from a guy who was trying to teach me Excel. <laughs> so, yeah, get it, anyway, the difference, right. So. Yeah, so they're allowing you to, and the, and you can do that up to three times in your lifetime. So they've expanded it. Before they wouldn't let you transfer it. It had to be equal or lesser value because because the thought was that if you're if you're getting older and you want to downsize and you want to transfer your property tax base, then great, do it. But it has to be equal or lesser value. But I guess the thought was before that if you upgrade, then you can afford it and you don't need the property to, to transfer the property tax the low property tax base. But they dialed that back a little bit and said, well, all right, then we'll just let you make, make you pay the difference between the two. We'll, we'll let you keep the low property tax base as to the first you know, million of the property, but any delta over what you sell your property um, and what you purchase a new property within the two year time period, then we'll only reassess you on, on the difference between those two. And you can do that three times in your lifetime. So if if you're willing to move that often, or buy if you're a serial, you know, seller and buyer and builder, great, do it. You have three times. So, so that new law became effective um, April first. April first. Okay, 1st. so it'll be effective mm -hmm. April first. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything that has to be done before April first for that to happen, or it's just it's just an effective date from this point forward? This positive part of Prop 19 is workable. Um, well, some people say there's, we're still not sure. Some people say, well, you have to sell and, and buy after the effective date. And other people say that you can sell 
and then buy, sell before the effective date and then buy after the effective date. But we're only two weeks from that. So I, if just to be safe, I wouldn't, I'd wait till April 1st. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so thank you for that. So this leads me to another question too, because I, I heard this a while back somewhere and there's a lot of rumor on the street, a lot of talk on the street. And one of it is, is that this, this kind of prop really a, a, a positively affects high net worth kind of properties and neighborhoods and communities like South Orange County or, or the coastal the coastal of California, but people like on the Inland Empire where they're all of a sudden, you know, trying to, to buy a, 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 they're selling 400,000, but if they wanted to move here to like, you know, South Orange County, somebody lives in a $500,000 property, all of a sudden wants to buy an $800,000 property down here. That's a, a real negative for them, huh? Yeah, that 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 is a challenge. There, that is a challenge. They're trying not. To, I, I guess they're trying not to be discriminatory, but you know, give everybody this million dollar break um, with the personal residence. Um, and I guess maybe they've taken away the the property tax based transfer for non owner occupied because they figure that applies to rentals and people with vacation homes and people with rentals and vacation homes can afford to pay the property tax. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is, but it's a huge, my, my issue with it is that, um, and, and many estate planners issue with it is that we've been spending our entire careers trying to protect and preserve assets and pass it on to the next generation. And we, and we do that not only practically to make sure that it actually works in practice that people can afford these properties. So we have to look at estate taxes, income tax and property tax. And there's an interplay between all of them. So that's why I, I would encourage you if you have this situation to contact your state planner and contact your CPA, your financial advisor, get your, your advisor team on, on board and make sure that you're considering your estate taxes, your income taxes and your property taxes. So you're not, you're not doing one thing for a certain purpose and then ruining something else. Okay. And, and that, and if we have time to talk about it, that will happen if you try to gift it. So. Right. And I think, uh, John, I think you were, John, John, if you're there, uh, raise your hand or, uh, you know, raise your hand or pose your question. Cause I think John did have um, a question regarding, he did have a question regarding gifting, you know, okay. and, and whatnot. So if we can, if we can in less than, than, a, than a minute, kind of give us an idea of what the gifting component looks like. If I want to, I'm not dead. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm here. I want to give it to my son, right. to buddy, you know, and everything like that. Tell me, tell me how that works. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to know what my attendees know and don't know. Um, but basically if I cut to the chase, basically um, when you devise something, which means that you give something at death, you get a stepped up tax basis to the fair market value at the date of death. And the reason that you get that is because it's subject to estate taxes. And usually you use your coupon with the IRS, which is called an exemption. And right now the law is 11.7 million per person um, that you can exempt from estate taxes, which is a 40% rate. Um, and so we're always trying to preserve that step up in basis so that the kids, when they get the property via inheritance, that they can turn around and sell it with no capital gains tax if they want to. Um, but then we always try to try to plan and keep the property tax base if we can so that if they want to keep it and not sell it, they still get receive the stepped up tax basis. But 
um, maybe they want to keep it for one to five years and then, then we can transfer the property tax base. So we're always working in that arena. But back to the gift, um, if you gift something during your life, you don't get a stepped up tax basis to the kids. If you gift it to your kids, you get a carryover basis. So gift, gifting to anybody, kids or otherwise, is a carryover basis. So back to my, you know, my client's example, if she bought her house in Del Mar for $100,000 and she gifted it to her kids and didn't leave it in her estate at her death, her kids get $100,000 tax basis for income tax purposes on a property that's worth $1.875 million. So I'm going to put one, I'm going to say $1.9. So they, if they decided, no, we can't keep it or we're not gonna keep it, we're gonna turn around and sell it, then they would have to pay property um, capital gains tax of 20% on the difference between 1.9 million and $100,000, which is $1.8 million times 20%. So I, I don't want you, <laughs> what I don't want you to do is try to save a property tax base um, and then give up the stepped up in basis because you can own that property for a long time and save property taxes. But if you've given up the step up in basis, it, it's not worth it. Um, but there's other ways around that. And that's why you need to go to your estate planner, your CFP and your CPA and collaborate and say, hey, this is, this is what we have. These are our goals. Can you get us from point A to B? Excellent. Actually, this is a good, um, uh, so I'm, I'm always about the shameless plug. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the things that, that we need, everybody needs to understand in the room right now is that um, Marilyn, like I said, is, is an experienced estate planner for quite a long time, for 24 years plus, plus has some really good uh, background in CPA also, not actively, but you know she handles that. But understand that this is a team, this is a team game right now. It is definitely exactly. a team situation where you need to align yourself with a, with a good CPA. You need to align yourself with a good financial planner. You need to start with mm -hmm. estate planning and whatnot. Um, um, Marilyn, Marilyn is definitely available to you all down the road for any particular questions or anything, but understand that we all are making a living here. And I, I didn't make the joke about the attorney. I was about to say that Marilyn, thank you so much for your time. I know how much it's worth <laughs> and I, and I can't pay it. So, uh, so the bottom line is she I didn't is do it for you, Roy. <laughs> so, you know, she's, she's definitely there and available for you guys. So just, but be cognizant of that, that should you give her a call and want some more detailed on your particular situation, be aware of the fact that she, you know, she will have a, some sort of fee structure, whatnot, and consultative and what she does and whatnot. So that's the quick cheap plug for that one. Uh, the next question that I have is really, and really quick is, by the way, folks, like I said, if you have any questions, please attend uh, right now. Now this, this recording, this will be a recording that will be available via my podcast on Roy's Open Houses. Uh, you can be on my website, roysopenhouses.com, my YouTube channel, roysopenhouses.com. Also again, Roy's Open Houses. Yeah, boy, there's a plug. Uh, but all of this stuff will be available to you, number one. Number two, the other thing that's going to happen is that we will be having ongoing once a month town hall meetings like this in which we're going to be discussing things. Marilyn will also be available. Should any changes occur, she'll get, kind, of, kind of give us an update. So we'll invite her over again to meet with us. Uh, really quick, and I, and I, know, I don't know how this really applies, but I know it's kind of been concurrent. Uh, the tax changes and homestead exemption changes. Can you okay. explain a little bit about what's going on with that and for the personal personal residents in California? Yeah, that's real quickly. We, um, it, um, it became effective. Uh, the homestead exemption basically allows you to claim a homestead exemption against your personal residence and protect it from creditors. 
from creditors. That could be divorce, um, bad business judgment, or some uh, unexpected accident happens and somehow creditors are trying to come after your assets. I did have a client that that happened with. Their son had a terrible car accident and a couple of young men were in him with the car and they were seriously hurt and no one died, but that young man went to, went to, to jail for seven years. So that was really awful. Um, and they were trying to protect their assets, but it was a little too late. So um, they're okay, things are working through, but it was really tough time in their life. So um, all I can say is that the homestead exemption, basically um, it's automatic now in California. It used to be 75, 100, 175, certain caveats on what you could get. Um, originally it was 7,000 and now it's more, but um, the governor put it into effect in um, AB 1885, I guess, Assembly Bill 1885 in September. And because it wasn't urgent in nature, it just automatically became effective January 1. And the difference is, is now they're allowing you a 300,000 and a $600,000 exemption yeah. called a homestead exemption, basically protecting your home from unexpected creditors. And uh, it is automatic in California. However, there's certain value to filing that homestead exemption and making sure it's in place on your home before any unexpected financial disasters happen. And the difference between the 300 and 600,000 basically has to do with what the median sales price of the homes are in the county in which you live in. So if you're in Orange County, if you're, I'm in San Diego, if you're in Orange County or San Diego, um, it, it will, or LA County, it will most, it will, it will, most likely be 600,000. The Inland Empire, et cetera, it will probably be, depends, whatever the median sales price, you know, so there's certain determination on what homestead exemption that you can file, but I would recommend looking into that and filing that if you can, because it's basically a, a an additional protection on the equity in your home. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that answer. Great, so now one last question that I have, or, or one last point is, you know, I, it started off with no taxation without representation. You know, mm. it, this has been handed to us. What what choices do we have? What alternatives do we have? What options do we have to say, mm. hey, man, give us back what we what, what you just took away from us and try right. to make it look pretty, whatever. You know, how do we how do we, uh, you know, get our protections back to one degree or another so we can have, you know, the, <clears throat> the generational family and the clan and, and, you know, the whole thing about being able to have share our, 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 our homes and whatnot with our families or what, right. what's going on right now? And what do you think we should be doing to, to at least take back some of the things we just lost with Prop 19? Right. Um, it's been a huge challenge. A lot of the estate planners have been writing their senators and saying, this is really crazy to have something on the books for 35 years. And then you're giving us a month and a half to reach all of our clients, tell them the ramifications and do something about it. Obviously, we, 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 there's no way we had the ability to do that, even if even in a perfect world, if we had every technology known to man. So basically what has happened is there is a senator, um, Patricia Bates out of Laguna Niguel that has um, authored a bill to um, amend the constitution because this Prop 19 actually amended the California constitution. And so she wants to amend it and at least give a two year delay to February 16th of 2023. Give us a couple of years to figure this out, how we can manage through this. Um, that would give us at least more time to get to everybody and say, what are the options um, if we have to live within these world rules? 
But, and I have an article on that if anybody wants that. Um, then there's another article that's coming out and some, the, you know, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association and the California, um, the assessors are really reeling from all of this because they don't even have the regulations on how to apply it properly and they're getting tons of questions. So they're wanting to change the law altogether. And I would be an advocate of that as well. It was just too, I think it was just too onerous too quickly um, and affects almost every, very many people in the country who have a home and or a rental property. And that is a lot of people. Um, and so, so what I would recommend is find out who your senator is and just write, simply write them a letter and ask them to reverse or change this law so that it's, you know, so that it, it is more amenable and, and, and um, you know, just give you more options with the principal residence like we had before and um, more options with the other real property like we've had before. And, and basically just ask them to reverse it because we didn't know, they didn't, they didn't, we didn't know that it was being swept in with the, the changes to protect people over 55, you know, uh, disabled and people that had were the victims of natural disaster. And there are, you know, my sister-in-law did lose her house move into her fires two and a half years ago. So it, you know, it does happen. So those are two things that you can really do. Well, I mean, those are two things that are coming down the pipe that they're trying to defer it for two years or trying to reverse it all together. Um, but what can you do? You know, the difficult thing is there are other things that you can do through the use of entities and you can transfer things that doesn't trigger a change in ownership because, and that's a whole nother story, but get with your, get with your legal advisors, get with your CPAs, get with your financial planners and say, hey, is there anything that we can do? But I would monitor the, I would want, before you do anything drastic or do all of this legal work to be able to do that, I would um, you know, make sure that you monitor this two-year delay so that you'd have more time and also monitor it getting reversed altogether because then you don't have to do these all these legal machinations to make sure you haven't triggered a change in ownership and and may, maybe you wouldn't have done that if they hadn't changed this done this you know changed this law so there are things to be done but proceed carefully and get with your advisors that's what i'd recommend right and, and you, said, you said you were creating a letter that might be able to to that we might be able to send to these people correct so, and you might right. want to make that available to it's us it's written from my perspective but i could try to genericize it or you know or you know you can draft a letter, but if I give you one to start, then you'll, you could go from there. Right? Okay, good, good, good. Uh, by the way, folks, a lot of this, uh, the, the articles and so forth will also be available on roysopenhouses.com or the uh, YouTube channel for downloads and whatnot, if you want to see the articles and whatnot. Um, yeah, Marilyn was about to go down a, tr a rabbit trail that, that, that I actually asked because I have a very good friend of mine who she just, anything that she can do to not pay taxes you know, or do anything. She wants an answer to that. Right. And mm -hmm. so one of the cool things about it was that I asked, you know, so what about nonprofits and so forth and entities and whatnot and doing all that? But again, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, to, to, that's a whole different subject. Okay, folks, uh, unless you all have any other questions, I don't see any questions that have popped up. If somebody wants to raise their hand and have a, a quick little question to, to, to answer, please do so right now. I will even make you live so you don't have to type it. Uh, I'll just, when you raise your hand, I'll go ahead and, and the raising hand is down at the bottom there. When you raise your hand, I'll be able to see and I'll, and I'll allow you to talk and ask your question. All right, 
Right now you got five, four, three, two, one. Any questions? No. Nope. Okay. Okie dokie. So folks, I again, hope I was clear enough. <laughs> Marilyn, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time and thank you for your education. You, I, mean, I, I love it. You're a huge advocate. I, I could see the fire in, in your in your in your gut for this for this kind of uh, process and whatnot yeah. and protecting us and whatnot. So uh, thank you again, guys. If you want to know about more about anything that's going on, especially upcoming webinars, go to roysopenhouses.com. Be looking on your emails for the invites. Um, again, subscribe to roysopenhouse.com. You can call me at 949-241-6332, or you can email me at roy at roysopenhouses.com. Everybody have a great day. God bless you. Take care. Bye, okay. Marilyn. Thanks, Roy. All right, take care. Appreciate it. Good. Thank you, everyone. All right, let me... Oh, how do we do the technology here? Hold on a second. Let me make sure. Okay, everybody's disappearing slowly but surely. All righty. There we go. There we go. Gone, gone. Hey, Anthony, you want to talk? Who is Anthony? Anthony. Is that, look, look at that last name right is that there. Your son? That's my son. Oh, hey, Anthony. Hey, son, where are you at? Do I get to see you? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to invite him right now. Hey, Aunt Dog. Don't want to say hello? Okay. Okay. Right. Well, I was surprised. Uh, I thought that, is everybody off now? I can't tell. Oh, wait, uh, we have three. Yeah, no, it's just us three. Okay. It's just us three. Let me let me go. Hey, Anthony, you can go ahead. Um, ask to unmute. Okay. All right. We're closing out, Ant Dog. See you later. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait, you there? Oh, man. I removed them already. There you go. Uh, All righty. Well, cool. Okay. What do you think? I think it went relatively well. I thought they were going to have a